Well, uh, this week has been a very interesting week. Um, there are many, many things that have happened. And I thought it was worthwhile to really try um, to explain uh, from the perspective of a messianic process what all of this means. And that's really what I want to do tonight. There are so many things that have happened that are just, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just myself amazed at the acceleration of what's happening. See, the problem is most people look at each individual event, which I will go through, as, wow, that's, that's uh, unusual and it's really uh, exciting. But the truth is, the real excitement isn't the event itself. It is the fact that it is part and parcel of a messianic process, which is unfolding literally <coughs> before our eyes. And that's the real excitement, and that's really what I want to go into um, tonight. <coughs> To try to explain how almost everything that we see happening so far is really just an unfolding of that messianic process. <clears throat> first of all, the first event, which, which happened a couple of weeks ago actually, about uh, two, two weeks ago or whatever, uh, is that uh, Donald Trump declared the, uh, the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem. Now, that left everybody in shock. Uh, the fact that he even declared that, which is really amazing when you think about that. Why is it uh, so incredible? Because if you think about it, <clears throat> to declare that type of idea that the capital of Israel is Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, in many ways is uh, counterproductive in many, many different ways. Let's take a look. First of all, there's no question that it will endanger what's called the peace process. Now, of course, we know the peace process is, of course, there is no peace process. The whole thing is a sham. It's a, it's a uh, what do you call, charade. That's really what it is. Because the Arabs uh, can never really make peace with Israel. Uh, certainly uh, the PLO or the Palestinians, which I don't even call them Palestinian, they're really nothing more than basically Arabs <clears throat> that have come in from Syria and so on, you know. They're not indigenous territories for most of them anyway. Uh, they were just allowed in by the British. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, and of course, right after he declared that, then Abbas, of course, said, you endanger the peace process, you're no longer a legitimate uh, uh, neutrality, and so on and so forth, which of course is, uh, you know, it's really, in many ways, laughable. Uh, but the fact that Trump did it, notwithstanding the fact that on one, in one hand he's trying to make peace, you know, with, uh, with those, those guys, Jason Greenblatt, and, uh, um, um, and Jared Kushner and so on, you know. And the other side, this clearly does allow Abbas to say that, uh, you know, hey, uh, there's no peace process if that's what you're going to do. Uh, so that's the first unusual thing that he did. Uh, but besides that, uh, also what it does is invites the Palestinian, the Arabs, to riot. And he's also taking a chance with that. And not only them, but the whole Muslim world will go crazy. What do you mean? Jerusalem is the capital? They themselves will, uh, you know, become, become highly unstable and really express tremendous amount of hostility. And besides, if you're a student of history and you remember, the Crusades. What were the Crusades about? The Crusades about, and were, I think, five Crusades. Uh, it was the attempt of the uh, Christians under you know, many, many different uh, kings and so on, uh, Richard the Lionhearted and so on, 
to wrest Jerusalem from the Muslims. You see? And uh, so what this does is it now gives a new cause for Iran and for the Muslim world to try to destroy Israel, to take away Jerusalem from the Jews. That's exactly what it does. You see? So by Trump doing that, calling the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem, he has now given a crusader's cause, but this time to the Muslims, not to the Christians taking away Jerusalem from the, Jew, uh, from the, uh, uh, the Muslims, but from the Muslims now taking away Jerusalem from the Jews. You see? So one wonders, why did he even do that? You know, why, 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 why do that? Like I say, all these things, uh, of course, uh, can be called into account if he does that. So the astounding thing is, then why did he do it? You see, which is an incredible thing. Uh, and of course, the whole Jewish world was shocked, as well as the, all the nations of the world, they were also shocked. But that's the first question. And besides that, there, there are certain spectacular things that happened on the last day of Hanukkah. Zeus Hanukkah, as they say, which is the eighth day, and that is really the holiest day of Hanukkah. So there are certainly spectacular things that occurred. Uh, let's just, just mention them, you know, and, and one of them, of course, one of the, the greatest one was the freedom of Rubashkin, uh, Sholomotra Rubashkin, which was astounding uh, to watch. I, mean, I, I understand that Rubashkin himself had no idea what it was about to happen. They just went to his prison, opened it up and said, you're freed. You know, it's amazing he didn't have a heart attack. Because to say that to a guy who's been in prison for eight years for no reason, which I will get into, it's just astounding. You know, the, the, only, <clears throat> the only resemblance to that, if I may use a biblical parallel, is Yosef, when he's in prison for, you know, how many years? 12, 13 years, whatever, right? And, uh, and, he's, and he finally put his, he hoped that the uh, Saramashkim, you know, the minister of wine, whatever they call that, right? That he would go and, and, get, and t talk to power and say, hey, you know, justice, what am I doing in prison? You know, and uh, so what happens? All of a sudden, Par has a dream, and the next minute uh, they come over to Yosef, open up the gates, whatever they had as a prison, and he's, he's out. I mean, he, you know, it's amazing. He didn't have a heart attack uh, after being so many years in prison. But the astounding thing with Yosef, it's even more because not only did Yosef get out of prison, right, but they washed him, they dressed him, and he stood in front of Pharaoh. That was a second shock. You know, you're free, okay, go home to your wife, whoever you got, you know, okay, you know to your, your house, and, you know, conduct your life and live in peace. No. They take him and they put him in front of Parai, right? The greatest man, Parai was the king, uh, pharaoh of Egypt, was, they considered him to be a god in the, among the Egyptians and so on. And that's a, that's a second shock. And the third shock is when he finally interprets the dream, Pari says, well, there's nobody as smart as you, and so on, nobody has the spirit of God in him. You are now second to Pharaoh. I mean, that would have decked anybody. What can I tell you, you know? Three Nisim, one after the other. And of course, that's all part of the, the, the redemption itself, you know? Uh, but in any case, <clears throat> just the fact that he freed Rubashkin uh, just came out of nowhere, which of course is astounding. So the question, of course, you know, which I'm going to try to explain, what, what, what implication does that have for Mashiach? And it does. It's an incredible thing when we begin to understand. The third thing that happened was that uh, the UN General Resolution, 
voted to condemn or to demand that Trump rescind his statement that Jerusalem is the capital. And it was 128, if I remember correctly, 128 nations. UN has 193 nations, I think. And 128 of them said, hey, we disagree with you. We want you to take back what you said, that Jerusalem is not the capital, you see, which, of course, we can expect. But even that has tremendous implications from Mashiach. But Trump's response is very interesting. He says, okay, you want to defy me? I'm going to take back, I'm going to defund all the foreign aid that I give you guys who voted against me. It's unbelievable. To then say I'm going to defund those people who voted against me, which means how dare you vote against me, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, is incredible. This man is no longer what? He has become what? He has become our lawyer, so to speak. He is now defending us in front of the nations of the world to the extent where he's going to punish them. That's unheard of that somebody should do that. So again, so the question is, what in the world does all this mean? I mean, it's incredible events, but can we say that this somehow is a revelation of a process that is now beginning to take on speed? And the answer is, of course. And that's what I want to speak about. And also, which is interesting, <clears throat> which doesn't look like it's tied, but it is, the tax bill was, pa was passed on the same day. Also, on the eighth day of Hanukkah, they passed the tax reform bill, you know, uh, which has itself tremendous implications. Is this, uh, is this an accident, you know, or this, uh, it's interesting political, you know, uh, advance and so on and so forth? Or is there something much more concealed than this? In any case, these things are happening what's called in rapid succession uh, to such an extent where you're wondering, what is this? You know, and almost every one of them uh, affects Israel. Rubashkin is, it's Klai Israel. Uh, you know, and uh, you're talking about the defending of Israel in front of the UN, declaring the capital of Israel to be Jerusalem. Uh, these, all three, have profound effects on the Jewish people. Something's got to be here. We know that. We feel. Question is, what is it? <clears throat> In order to really understand these ideas, I just want to mention and repeat, actually, because I had spoken about it a long time ago as part of the whole concept of really what the scenario is. And again, once you understand that, then these things beautifully fall into place. And that's what the excitement is really all about. <clears throat> I had mentioned that in the beginning by Yaakov and Esau, <coughs> that uh, Yaakov and Esau, of course, the sons of Yitzchak, that they have a specific task to perform. I mentioned that um, <coughs> the, the task of uh, Yaakov was what's called Yoshi Veholim, to bring down Kedusha. I'm not going to repeat everything I said. That's all on the tapes and so on, you know, the videos. But Yaakov's task is to bring down Kedusha, holiness. And that's why it's a Yoshi Veholim, to dwell in the tent, of course, and to learn Torah. Whereas the job of Esau, and therefore he's a patriarch, he's an Av. Esau is also an Av, which most people do not realize that. Uh, he's also an Av, which is a patriarch, but he has a different job. His job is to contend or to fight, struggle with evil and to win it over it 
and ultimately to destroy it. And since Esau is an of, patriarch, his soul is incredibly great, <clears throat> um, uh, large and so on and so forth, spiritually, and therefore what God wanted is that a root of spirituality, which is Esau, he's, a, he's an of, right, should destroy the shirish, the root of evil, which is the Satan. And that's why we find that the angel of Esau is who? Is a Satan. The angel, the, the Satan, whatever you want to call the guy, guy, uh, is a Satan himself, you see. So it really, it's root against root. See, there's two ways to diminish the power of a Satan. One, and because he has power, because as I once mentioned, he can, he can take from the sparks of holiness that a Jew will bring down when he does a mitzvah, a, a, a commandment. And if the Jew sins, then the Satan is what's called yunik. He can nourish from that spark of holiness, you see. And of course, the Satan has enormous amount of sparks because of all the sins that have been committed, certainly for the first 2,000 years of mankind's history, without getting into that. There was a previous shurim. Uh, but the main idea is that if a Jew remains righteous, then he diminishes the power of the Satan. He takes back some of those sparks of holiness that empowers the Satan, because everything needs holiness to survive. You see, so he empowers the Satan, uh, and therefore when a Jew does a mitzvah, when he withstands that temptation, he could take back the sparks. But when Asa would do it, who's a root, neshama, means he's a root soul, which is incredibly uh, um, uh, large and so on, you know, then he will diminish the root of the Satan. Not just the root. You know, it's, it's one thing, to, you know what it's like? It's like somebody uh, has a whole stock of food, you know? You know? But he keeps getting food because of uh, uh, deliveries by a grocery store. Let's use that example, right? So you can kill the guy, so to speak, in two ways. You can either take the food that he has, or you can kill the grocer, you see. Because if you kill the grocer, then he can't survive, you see. There are two ways. So the Jewish people, uh, what do you call it, impoverished the Satan by taking back the Kedusha, the holiness of the Satan, or rather the holiness that he has, what's called the Nisoyse Kedusha, sparks of holiness. But what Esav could do is much greater, because he could take away the power that the Satan has from the Shurish of the Satan, the existence itself of the Satan, and therefore he can destroy the Satan. Unfortunately, of course, and therefore that's what Esav's job was, Unfortunately, we know that he succumbed to the temptations of the Sultan, while getting into all that. <clears throat> and instead of fighting the Sultan and destroying the Sultan, on the contrary, he became an ally of the Sultan, feeding him an enormous amount of holiness by the sins that he was committing. And therefore, uh, Yaakov had to take away the, his ability, and that is the sale of the Bechira, the firstborn rights. When he took that back, he removed his ability to do that. But in any case, <clears throat> uh, now, so therefore, what we see is that that's what Esau should have been, you see, but he failed. In any case, now, <clears throat> therefore, what happened was, and I had mentioned this previously, that there's a medrash, and be, when they were both being, before they were born, they were struggling with each other by Rivka in, in the uterus and so on, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> 
uh, Rivka didn't know what was going on, and she was tremendously, obviously, pained and troubled. So she went to the house of Shemba to find out, and they told her prophecy that Ravya Avoit Soya, there are two great nations within you. One will always be greater than the other, but the older one will serve the younger. Ravya Avoit Soya, which is what has to be. What does that mean? Uh, that means Asa will destroy the Sultan, number one. Number two, he's going to assist then Yaakov to do the tikkun, to bring God back, which means to bring holiness down by doing the mitzvahs. That's one. Number two, he will also do what? He will fight against the nations that try to destroy Yaakov. Because Jews are always being, uh, what do you call it, uh, there's always an attempt on the nations of the world to destroy the Jews. I mean, this is basically what Jewish history is all about. You know, it's basically the, you know, you know, how are Jews being destroyed in this generation? And so on. <clears throat> That's what Esau should have done. But he didn't, obviously. So therefore, the mentor says something incredible. If you read in the Torah, Ya'avoid, the older will serve the younger, Ya'avoid. <coughs> the Torah doesn't have any punctuation. Okay. So you can read the same word, Rav, the older, Ya'avoid, Tso'ir. He will enslave, persecute. The younger. What is that supposed to mean? That means Esau really had one job, which means, of course, to destroy evil. Uh, um, but if that doesn't work, which obviously it didn't, then the way Esau can do the tikkun, which is interesting, he can still contribute to Yaakov, uh, but no longer in a positive way, but in a negative way. Because we know how do the Jews remove a lot of these sparks of holiness from the Sutton, uh, when they suffer. Suffering is one of the forms of tikkun, or bringing God back. So therefore, the major agent now that will bring suffering to the Jews is Esau. So in that way, Esau can serve Yaakov, although it's a terrible way. It's really negative, right? <clears throat> but he could serve Yaakov by doing that. <clears throat> so Esau is going to do the tikkun, which is amazing. Either Yaavoid, he will do it straightforward and serve uh, the youngest, which is Yaakov, by assisting him uh, in destroying evil, or he will remove the, 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 he will destroy the Sultan. How? By assisting Yaakov, by punishing him, enslaving him, persecuting him, which is, of course, a terrible way, but is a third device. If you recall what I said, there are three ways to do the tikkun. One is mitzvahs, commandments, to observe commandments. Second way is tshuva, which is, of course, uh, repentance. And the third way is suffering. So Esau now becomes the wherewithal, the major primary wherewithal, of how Yaakov will bring the, uh, the tikkun, which is very interesting. And you see that from the, from the Medrash and so on. So that's the first very important idea. Of course, I dwelt upon this, you know, very extensively in the previous videos. In any case, uh, the second very important idea, which we see the duality of Esav, is that really, in the end, Esav does tshuva. He repents. In other words, he goes from Yahweh to Yahweh. Because he never really left that process of tikkun. You see, <clears throat> so Esav does ultimately wake up, in that sense, from Yahweh to Yahweh. Instead of persecuting the Jews, he will now serve him. And I mentioned how. By assisting him in the tikkun, one, but by defending him against the enemies of the Jewish people, is two. 
Those are the ways and so on, see. And who does that? Not all of Esav. Because I had mentioned that Esav had three characteristics. One is incredible gaiva, arrogance. The second thing is tremendous fraud. He's an imposter, you see. He's a liar. Third, that's the second way. And the third way I mentioned, Esav has a third characteristic of taiva, tremendous pleasure-seeking individual. Therefore, who is Esav today? Esav, <clears throat> of course, was the brother of Yaakov. But Esav became or transformed into what's called Edom. The Torah says that the Edom is the nation that Esav became. So Esav zu Edom. Esav became, Esav became Edom. So you can call Esav either Esav or Edom, the Edomites. Who is Edom today? Edom became Rome. The Talmud, the Gemara says, uh, Edom zu Romi. It's Rome. But what God did is interesting. He, what he did is transformed Esav in Edom and then as Rome from a nation, right, into a religion, you see. Because if Esav has the job of persecuting the Jews to bring suffering on the Jews and therefore allow them to do tshuva and, and to rectify their sins, <coughs> uh, that would mean Rome would have to be around for thousands of years till the end of time. God doesn't want that. So what God did is he transformed a nation of Rome into a religion called Christianity. So therefore Christianity, of course, has been preoccupied for the last 2,000 years <coughs> with destroying Jews, killing Jews. It's astounding how many Jews have died at the hands of Christianity. Not all Christianity is bad, but we know a significant amount is, and that's what's been happening throughout history, and so on, you know. But who is Christianity today? It's Western civilization. Western civilization is Christianity, you see. Now, if that's the case, then these three aspects of Esau are manifest in the Western civilization. Who took the arrogance of Esau, which is terrible, okay, and that's basically Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church, which of course, when Russia became communist, that is the gaiva of Esau. That's the ultimate arrogance is when a man becomes an atheist and says, there is no God, there is only me, and so on. So therefore, Russia under the communist, uh, because formerly it was, of course, Christian, Russian Orthodox Church, that is Esau in Russia. That's the evil of Esau in terms of Gaiva. The fraudulent aspect of Esau, I had mentioned, is Europe, because Europe is an imposter. On one side, they preach love and all that kind of stuff. On the other side, more wars have been committed by the Europeans than I think all the wars combined. It's astounding well, how many Jews they've killed, not even going into the Holocaust. But for a thousand years, what Christianity has been doing, between the Crusades, the expulsions, okay, the pogroms, and besides the Holocaust and so on, and the persecutions, is beyond belief what these guys have been doing, the Inquisition and so on. <clears throat> and that's a fraud, because on one side they preach peace and love, and they tell you to turn the other cheek, and of course in the end it's your cheek that they turn, right? That's what they do. That's fraudulent. That's an imposter. In any case, that's Europe. Now, Europe has always been that way. To this day they are incredibly anti-Semitic. Europe is filled with anti-Semitism. They can't stop it, it's so bad. It's like a disease. They just can't stop it. They keep coming out against Israel, against the, the whole concept of the land of Israel, the Jewish people. It's just astounding what these guys do. They just don't get it. 
And the third part of Esav, of course, is America. America represents the taiva, the, 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 the uh, pleasure-seeking aspect of Esav, because that's what America is into, is taiva. It's into pleasure, right? Uh, pleasure and, and materialism and so on. So America is the good part of Esav, even though they're into that and so on. But the good part of Esav, the toiv Esav, is America. And therefore, what is interesting is that in the end of time, what the Rabbanisham wants is Esav to do tshuva and to be restored, not to Yaved, persecute the Jews, but Yaved, to serve the Jews. And therefore, there has to come a time which is before the Mashiach, and that's how you know the Mashiach is right around the corner, because this has to happen before, or right, short, very shortly before, where Esav does tshuva. That's a very important formulation in order to understand what is happening today. <clears throat> Who is going to do this? And that's why, very simply, I have stated a long time, and I've stated this two years ago. <clears throat> Donald Trump is that man. He doesn't know that. Maybe somebody should tell him. But Donald Trump, although he would never believe it, uh, is, is the guy who has to turn around Esau. And, and that explains so many different things which I have mentioned previously in many of the lectures and so on, you know. <clears throat> um, Donald Trump is a messianic figure a messianic figure doesn't mean he's the Mashiach. Of course not. He's not even Jewish. How could he be a Messiah? Mm. But a messianic figure is somebody who creates a paradigm shift. He is a person that has, that, that, that his mission is so transformative, transcendent, that he is a Messiah in a certain sense, you see. Uh, it doesn't, Messiah does not only refer to a Jewish Messiah, it refers to somebody that's going to overturn and radically change an entire civilization. And Donald Trump is that person. He's going to change America. His job is the Tahara to purify America. And that's exactly what he's been doing most of the time. Uh, what does that mean? That is why uh, I, I said more than two years ago he's going to be elected president uh, because of this idea and so on you know <clears throat> and the amazing part about it is he was and this was against everybody's <coughs> uh, 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 feeling about who would win the, the pre presidential nomination of course you know uh, but um, I mean it was just miraculous it's an open miracle okay? I mean everybody hated the man as I mentioned you know uh, you know, uh, Hillary hated him, of course, and Obama hated him, right? Republicans hate him, the Democrats hate him, the liberals hate him. Uh, everybody hates him, so how in the world is he president? Because, like I once said, America forgot one thing. It doesn't make a difference on what you vote. It's what God's vote is, and that's the end of it. And God said he's the guy. Because his job is to retransform Esau or Edom, specifically America. And therefore he won against unbelievable odds um, and, and so on you know so that's really what he is he's not a messiah in the sense he's not the Jewish messiah he doesn't transform the world the Mashiach of Judaism transformed the entire world that's a Mashiach 
you see. But he certainly is a messianic figure in the sense that he can transform America. And he's doing exactly that. Now, I mentioned also, of course, that the reason why everybody's against him is because everybody down deep down there in Nishama, their souls know that it's over. And, of course, he, he threatens the establishment because they hate him for that. And, uh, of course, he, he's, a, he's, he's a person that is so contrary, so opposite the, uh, the uh, political establishment that they, 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 they're still in shock that he's the president. And they're still trying to get rid of him, impeach him. They'll do anything to get rid of this man. And I mentioned why, because once Edom does tshuva, once there's a figure that can actually transform America, then the Sutton is dying that's really what it means. And therefore, he will do anything to encourage anybody to get rid of this guy. And that's the opposition that you see. The opposition that you see is, is not, it's not, because, it's not only because Trump threatens the establishment. <coughs> it's really satanic. Because a Sutton will engage anybody who hates this man in order to do his bidding, and that is to get rid of this guy. Because if Trump does that kind of thing, not just to purify America from its sins and so on, which he's doing, but the next thing is that he has to assist the Jewish people. And that's the danger to the Sutton. And because it's really the end, and the Sutton knows that. And that's why you have opposition to Trump, which is beyond belief. I mean, we have never in American history seen we have never in American history seen the attempt that is going on today to get rid of this guy. It's unheard of in American history. I mean, people are presidents have opposition. But come on, the guy's president already. Give him a break. You know, you want to do this kind of stuff to do it while he's running. You don't do it after he's running. I mean, it's insane. And, and, and the, the attempt is so desperate that they will make fake news. They'll do anything. And they, they, the media has been proven fake, false so many times you think that they would be embarrassed already and stop it no they cannot stop it because like i say their desire is not just their own for their own preservation but their desire to do this is satanic and they don't realize that because it is a sudden that is threatened because he realized the end is near that's really the force that's the engine behind the media and the deep state and all these guys trying to get rid of Trump. <clears throat> Therefore, um, and of course I dealt extensively about this uh, previous Shurim lectures and so on, you know. But in any case, this is therefore very, very important to understand what is happening today. So the question is, well, how do we understand this? If that's the case, how do we understand it messianically, really, you see? Because what you have to understand is this. It's not enough that somebody repents. You know, you know in tshuva, when you do tshuva, when you repent, there's a threefold process. It has three procedures. We know that because before Yom Kippur, you have to engage in this process. What is the process? One, you have what's called vidui. Vidui is what? Confession. What is confession? Confession is that I acknowledge I sinned. How can you repent if you didn't even acknowledge your sin? So the first thing you have to do is vidui. You have to what he called admit. I admit that I sinned. You see? The second process of repentance is I regret what I did. Because even if you admitted you sinned and you don't regret, you're not going to repent. 
So the second phase or stage, right, is you need to regret that which you've done. And the third, of course, stage is, of course, the, the final, is where you have to say to yourself, I will no longer ever do this again. So I realize I sinned, <clears throat> I regret that I sinned, and I certainly will uh, I accept upon myself really to try as hard as possible never to repeat this sin. That is repentance. Therefore, if that's the case, who are we talking about that's going to repent? We are going to be talking about America, Edom. We're going to be talking about Trump. Then Trump has to apologize, right? Because that's the first step in tshuva. The fact that he has to assist the Jews, that'll come later, well, uh, shortly thereafter. But what he really has to do is apologize, right? <clears throat> and so on, <clears throat> you know. In other words, he has to admit, I sinned. That's very, very important. <clears throat> That's the tshuva, the repentance process. Where do we find this in the Torah? Because it has to be in the Torah. We find it in two places in terms of Esav or Edom, Esav. <clears throat> the first place is where you find that the Malach of Esav, the Satan, remember it says, Vayyovik Ish Imoi, and a man fought with him before he was about to meet Esav, Vayishlach, right? In Pashas Vayishlach, right? It says, and, he, and <clears throat> a man fought with him <clears throat> the entire night. Who is this man? So Rashi says, who is this guy? All of a sudden there's a fight? What's that supposed to mean? Sarishalisov. This is the appointed angel that guards, that is the guardian of Esav. Because every individual, by the way, <clears throat> we all have our, I don't know what you call them, guardian angel, so to speak. But every nation has it also. And Esav certainly had it. And who is the angel of Esav? The Sutton. Because if you recall, Esav's job was to destroy the Sutton. Because if he would have done that, he, which is a root soul, can now destroy the Sutton, which is also a root Malach, in that sense. And he could have destroyed him. So therefore, since Esav fell, so instead of him destroying the Sutton, the Sutton has now taken over him. The Sutton now dominates Esav. That's what happens when you're in the same arena. Either you fight and win, or he fights and you lose and he now becomes the winner. Uh, so therefore, Yaakov Avinu fought with the Malach of Esav, the angel of Esav, the whole night. <clears throat> now, without going into, you know, what does that mean, how you fight with an angel, and so on and so forth, um, whatever. I have a, a shi on that, an audio shi, actually, on that. But the main idea is that that's who his angel is. So Yaakov fights with him the whole night, and all of a sudden, the angel says, you got to let me go. Why? Because the dawn is arriving. What dawn? Okay, you can learn the, the simple idea that the dawn is arriving and whatever, <clears throat> and therefore the Malach had to leave in order to sing praise to God. Well, whatever the Pshatam are. But think about this, okay? So what, the, what does the Malach do? So Yaakov says, no, 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 I'm not letting you go. You need to bless me, you see, and then I'll let you go. And the Yaakov blesses him. Uh, the angel blesses him. How? He doesn't bless him. You don't find a bracha. He doesn't say, Bless be you, Yaakov. What he does is he admits to Yaakov that you're the guy and your name is now Yisrael because you're the man that is the appointed, appointee of God, okay, to do the job that God wants. You're the guy, okay, which immediately means not my guy, 
right? Because that's what it means. You are called Yisrael because you have fought with men and you have prevailed. Uh, that's what he does, is he doesn't give him a blessing, but the greatest blessing of all is where the Sultan has admitted, Vidoi, right? That Yaakov is the appointed individual and therefore his name should now be Israel. <clears throat> okay, if you look at this, <clears throat> we know that everything that happens in the end, like the Ramban says, right? That whatever happens to the Ovis, Maisa Ovis, Whatever the, all the incidents of the others, similar bonum, is really a prophetic statement about what the children or the descendants of the others, what they will encounter, you see. So in many ways, that's exactly what it is, okay? With well, the Sutton will fight with them the whole night. And the night, of course, is uh, 4,000 years or the 6,000 years, or really 4,000 years from Avram Avinu until the end. And right before dawn, dawn is the Mashiach, right? That's the light. That's the time when the Orishan, the messianic light, will hit the planet. That's the Shacha, right? And all of a sudden, what does the Sultan do? He has to admit to the Jews that you are the people, you know, and I am wrong. You are the guys. In other words, what you're looking at here is a messianic a, a prophecy of what will happen at the end of time. <clears throat> But who admits that Yaakov is the right man? He is the appointee of God. It's a Satan. The Satan is the angel of Esau. So really, the spiritual root of Esau is satanic. Is a Satan. Yet the Satan is admitting <coughs> that he's wrong. And that Yaakov is really the person appointed the mission to bring the Tikkun, rectification of creation. And this is a messianic prophecy. So that's the first concept of admission by the angel of Esau. The second is by Esau himself, which is astounding, right? Where Esau says, Yaakov is about to meet Esau, <coughs> right? And he's thinking that maybe Esau is going to kill him. He's coming with 400 men. And we know in Parshish Vayishlach that instead of killing him, right, what Esau does is he kisses him, right? The Torah says that. And it's a true kiss, and so on. Uh, and, uh, which means that Esau is now exhibiting a tremendous amount of love for Yaakov. It's really incredible to think about that. Right? Here's a guy coming to kill him and all of a sudden change his mind. Why? <clears throat> because Esau's angel was <clears throat> conquered. That weakened the entire hold of the angel of Esau over Esau. That's what happens. If your angel is bested, weakened, then you are much less inclined, you see, to be connected to that evil source. And that's really what happened with Esau. Since Yaakov won over the Malach of Esau, the angel of Esau, automatically the tie of evil that the Sultan has over Esau is tremendously diminished. It's weakened. And all of a sudden, something in Esau begins to stir. What is that? It's the spirituality of Esau, which was never gone. It was just com complete, completely overlaid by the evil of the Sutton, which dominated him. Uh, but once that was weakened, then Esau already was thinking of tshuva. And therefore he says, Let that which is yours be yours. What does that mean? You see, so Rashi says, 
that what Esau said is that let that which be is yours, which is what? Which is the blessings that Yitzchak gave you, it's yours. I no longer contest that. I take back my claim that it's really mine. You see, it's yours. That is an admission, isn't it? It's unbelievable. That is the Hidor of Esau, you see, the admission of Esau. And like I say, the reason why he did it is because his spiritual root did it. So automatically, there's a tremendous diminishment of the power of the Satan over Esau himself, you see. And he admits, which is an incredible concept. And the truth is that had very bad repercussions to Yaakov, that is. Uh, because Yaakov should have realized, unfortunately, that Esau could have done tshuva, you see. You say, so it, why should Yaakov have realized that? Because Yaakov realized that Esau, <clears throat> that he fought with the angel and he knew it was the angel of Esau and that if the angel admitted defeat and he admitted you're the guy, then Yaakov should have realized, wait a minute, that's the case. That means Esau is right about to do tshuva, you see. And the proof of that, he said, that that which is yours be yours. Wow. So what Yaakov should have done, he should have given him Dina. Dina. Dina was a woman, an incredible woman. She was what's called a yatsonis. I mean, she would go out. She was a very, uh, a very outgoing girl who <coughs> says, Dina. and Dina went out to see the land. What does it mean to see the land? You think she went out to see the styles? What's happening in the fashion world? No. Uh, she went out to see if she can bring Kedusha, you know, a change of heart among the nations of Canaan. Maybe they can do tshuva. I mean, this girl was something. All Esav had to do was marry her, and Esav would have been a tzaddik. It's incredible. And Yaakov should have realized that, but he didn't, whatever. And the Torah faults him for that. And God says, because you didn't give Dina to Esav, which is incredible, then she will be taken forcefully by Shechem. In any case, but Esav was almost about to do tshuva. And the Torah says that in one word. It says, Vayoshev Esav, and Esav returned the Darkoi to his path, Seira, to Seir. He should have just said, and Esav returned to Seir. What do you mean, Esav returned to his path, to Seir? What it means, the Torah is saying, and because Yaakov did not take the opportunity, Esav now returned to his path in evil. You see, because he almost could have done tshuva, and then to Seir. Torah, amazing, in one word indicates the whole story. In any case, uh, but what we see, therefore, is that the Malach of Esav, the tshuva, right? I mean, sort of. Not that he's been trying to hound us for the last thousands, three, four thousand years, but he admitted to Yaakov that I'm wrong and you're right. And Esav did the, and Esav did the exact same thing. Okay. And that, but that's, there's also something very important that comes out of that. <clears throat> because the Medrash says that when Esau said to, this is very important, uh, very important. When the Medrash says that when Esau came to Yitzchok and he said, okay, I'm here. Let me have the blessings. So Yitzchok looks at him and says, who are you? I just gave it to you, didn't I? So Esau says, what do you mean you gave it to me? I'm Esav Yibachira. And of course, immediately Yitzchak realized what happened. And Esav realized what happened. You see. Uh, so it says that Esav shed three tears. The Zoya says. One tear 
went down, another tear went down, and a third tear went down, but it stopped. And the Zoya says that had that third tear dropped, it would have been unbelievably tragic for the Jewish people. Why? What does that mean? Because <clears throat> you have to remember one thing. <clears throat> what did Asaph wanted a blessing from his father? Why? Is it because the blessing was really incredible? Because the blessing meant that you would get material wealth, right? Material dominance. If you take a look at the blessing that Yitzhak gave Yaakov, right? It's all about success, as they say, right? Is that what Asaph wanted? Yes. But he wanted something else. Asaph loved Yaakov. We cannot even begin to understand the love that Esav had to Yaakov. And that's why Rabbi Shem Gamliel says in the Gemara that I was the greatest individual that observed the mitzvah of Kippur of Aim in my generation. But Esav was much greater than me. Can you imagine that? So therefore what we begin to, what does that mean? That means when Esav would go to see Yitzchak, his father, he would go and change his clothing into Yom Tov Begadim. Because that's the honor of how he felt about Yitzchak. Therefore, what Esau felt, which was terrible for us, is that he loved his father so much that it's not just he wanted the blessings that he gave uh, Yaakov, uh, which I said is material, but he, what he wanted from Yitzchak, he wanted from Yitzchak the blessing from his father. Uh, sometimes a person wants his father to bless him because that's the love he has for his father. You see, so what he really was saying is, I want Yitzchak to bless me as a father to a son. That's what he wanted. That's an incredible concept of keep it of aim. And the problem is that that is always, that is always the avera, or rather the mitzvah that Esav did, that hounds the Jewish people. Very important concept. Therefore, when Esav said to Yaakov, let that which is yours be yours. What he really was saying is, I take back my complaint against you. Wow. Because that complaint that Esau has in his heart against Yaakov was a severe condemnation of the Jewish people. So when he said, let that which is yours be yours, I take it back. I no longer have this complaint, which is to the detriment of the Jewish people. That's the incredible thing of Yehiluch HaShelach, that that which is yours be yours. You see, it's not just I admit that you're the guy. No, I take back my complaint. Very important. And that complaint is one of the major reasons why the Jewish people suffer for so long. In any case, uh, there's more to speak, but in any case. And now, once we understand that, let's take a look at what's happening. And you're going to see, lo and behold, how all this uh, is, is uh, not, nothing more than an outcome of all this, which is what I've been saying. One, <clears throat> I had mentioned that the Bosham wants to clean up America because America is guilty of terrible sins. You see, the liberals, especially the Democrats, have, have done terrible things to America by demoralizing America. They have created a terrible moral decay. You're talking about homosexuality. You're talking about a tremendous amount of moral decay in America. It's also a perversion of justice and so on, you know? So what the Barsham does is what he did in the Civil War. I once mentioned 
what happened in the Civil War? Uh, why was there a Civil War? Well, the North and the South, you know, in the old history, right? But the Civil War was a very important cleansing agent for America. Why? <clears throat> because America was Chayav Misa. America was, was subject to a death penalty. The whole country. Why? <clears throat> because of slavery. It says in the Ten Commandments, that says at Debrois, right? Thou shalt not steal. That doesn't mean you can't steal. What it means is you can't kidnap. It refers to the stealing of a person. And the punishment of that is death. Americans were stealing. What were they stealing? They would go to Africa and they would enslave these people. How do you do that? Forget about the lives that they destroyed by separating these blacks, right, from the African heritage that they had, right? <clears throat> but you shipped them off to America and now you make them slaves? We cannot even begin to understand the, uh, the, 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 um, the brutality that was done to the blacks as slaves. It was terrible. And that's Miso. That's death penalty. Uh, and it's laughable. When, the, when, the, when, the, when one of the arguments was, well, the Bible condones slavery, what are you talking about? When the Bible says, when the Torah says that this thing is slavery, it means that what? It means you can't kidnap them. It means that they sell themselves to, to be a laborer or a property in order to have, a, to have money to pay off debts. You, you can't compel a, a person to be a slave. The only one who could do that is the, a Bezdin, a court, a Jewish court, if the individual stole and he can't compensate the owner for the theft. So the court, in case of a Jew, can sell the guy, right, and then take the money and give back the, the guy who, who he stole from. Uh, yeah, that, that's justice, you know. But normally, anybody else that sells themselves willingly sells themselves. You can't kidnap people. Therefore, God had to clean up America. And he said, since all of you are high of Misa, right, then uh, you guys have, the, 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 the threat against America is the dissolution of America. What does the dissolution mean? That America splits between East and West. Yet the power of America is when they're united. You see, so the fact that they went to war with each other tells us that really God, the, the prosecution said, they have to be split. They can no longer be as strong as they can be. And let's split them. And that, there you are. That's a, that's a war between the North and the South. <clears throat> you see, <clears throat> so what God did is he turned that war and he had Rachmanus on America, a civil war, by whom he, over six or seven hundred thousand Americans died in that war. It was terrible. <clears throat> and that was an atonement for the fact that they had stolen so many slaves. You know, we don't, of course, know who died, why they had to, this person die, and so on. Uh, but the concept of a civil war is the Tahara of America. We see that going on today. We see the California fires raging, which is incredible. And we know California is an incredible liberal state. Uh, you know, and not only that, we see a tremendous amount of scandals on immorality that's going on in the Congress. You know, it's going on in Hollywood. It's going on in so many different places. It's almost, guys, God is saying, hey, I got to stop the Zemo. You know, and now all of a sudden it's coming out. You see, this is all part of a tahara. And then we have, of course, the hurricanes, right? <clears throat> right? And a hurricane is nothing more than a mini marble. It's really a flood of Noah, that, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's a small class flood, not a large flood, obviously, you know. And we know a flood comes because, why did the flood come by Noah? Because of immorality. Same thing. And therefore it cleans different cities. 
and so on. Uh, all of this basically is really to matter America in some way to purify them because America has to become great again. And he's right, Trump. You know, America has to become great. Why? Because the greatness of America is in many ways necessary for the salvation of Israel. As we see, it's Esau now becoming great. That's what's really happening and that's why you have all that. But let's take a look. <clears throat> Remember I said that Esau has to say to, uh, to, uh, to Yaakov that, that that which is yours be yours, right? Well, what is Trump saying? Which is astounding, you know? Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. What does that really mean? What Trump is saying is what? Okay, anyway, I admit the land of Israel is yours. It's not just Jerusalem, because when you say that the capital of Israel is Jerusalem, the capital of what? Well, obviously the land itself belongs to you, or why in the world would you even have a capital? Right? Uh, so it's an automatic, indirect admission that what? <coughs> that Israel belongs to the Jews. By who? By Trump, not Obama. Obama did everything he could to take away Israel from the Jews, but by declaring Jerusalem to be the capital, in essence what he did is he legitimatized the claim of the Jews to the whole state of Israel. That's number one, you see. <clears throat> the second thing he did is he said not only is Israel yours, but guess what? The capital of Israel is also yours, it's Jerusalem. And Yerushalayim is more than just a capital. It is a spiritual center of the Jewish people, and it's really the spiritual center of the entire world. So what he has also done is he admitted that what? That not only is Israel and Jerusalem yours, right? He legitimatizes the whole concept of Yushalayim as the spiritual center at the same time. Wow. What a hoidor. That is an incredible admission of the President of the United States which I said is the Toshib Esav, which is a good part of Esav. This isn't an accident. Nobody ever did this before. There wasn't one president that had guts to do this. Because you know why? Because they're not a messianic personality. That's why. It takes a guy like Trump, who, and that's his mission to do that, to declare that Israel and Jerusalem becomes what? Is the whole concept of uh, the, the legitimacy that the Jews have. <clears throat> what do you think is going to happen with this? I'll tell you. And, we, and it's amazing to, to, to look, to, to see. America will grow great. What is happening now, you see it. You see, and that's where everybody jumping against Trump. Obama, I think the GDP or the GMP, whatever they call it, was 1.3 or 1.4. With Trump, even before the tax reform, it's 3.3. They say it's going to go up to 4. And many people say it's going to go up to 5 or 6. That's unheard of. That means America will be the greatest prosperous nation in the world. And then what? Everybody's going to run after America to do business with them. Because that's what always happens, right? Uh, therefore, the nations of the world not only will be moving their capital to Jerusalem, you see, because America did it, but they're going to want to curry favor with America, right? Because they know that if Trump is for Israel, hey, let's get in line. we got to be good to Israel also, you see? <clears throat> so they're going to do trade with Israel. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And not only that, what's even more important is that because America recognizes Israel, then the stature of Israel will rise among the nations of the world. 
Forget about what happened in the UN, which I'll talk about. Okay, uh, the stature of Israel will rise tremendously because of what Trump did. Sure, they're going to try now to oppose it. But ultimately, as America becomes more and more prosperous, the whole world is going to knuckle under because America will be where it's at in terms of money. And that's where everybody wants. That's what's happening. And how is that going to happen? With the tax reform bill, right, which happened on Hanukkah. Uh, it's interesting. Trump tried to do two things. He tried to get rid of Obamacare, but he failed. But he did get through the tax. Why? <clears throat> I had mentioned this previously. Because God punished him. He said, wait a minute. You still believe in the two-state solution because you think you're the greatest negotiator in the world? Right? I'll show you what kind of negotiator you are. That's not your job. I will show you. You think you're somebody special in terms of negotiations? I'll show you. You will not even be able to pass something which you promised you'd pass. The Republicans have promised they would pass. And you can't even, and, and not only that, they have control of both houses, right? And so on and so forth. And you won't even be able to, to repeal Obamacare. Ha ha. You see, it's a, it's a punishment. But once Trump realized, wait a minute, that Jerusalem is the capital, and Israel belongs to the Jews, then God said, okay, I will now allow you to pass the tax. And it passed. You see, I don't know if Trump is going to get the message. But if Trump owns up to what he has to do, then he'll be very successful, you see. If not, whatever. In any case, but therefore, that also passed on Hanukkah because he recognized tremendously what Israel is to the Jewish people. And also what's funny, <clears throat> so he recognized that the land belongs to the Jews and Jerusalem belongs to the Jews. And then, you know, Trump gave a Hanukkah Masiba. Have you heard about that? You hear the speech? It was incredible. It, it, incredible speech. You know, where he recognized Hanukkah, the miracle of Hanukkah, you know, the, the, the rededication of the temple. What is the rededication of the temple? Based on Migdash. That's Ruchnius. That's the spirituality, spiritual center of the Jewish people. Uh, so, what are you, Esav, Edom, doing? Right? Praising Jews for their Hanukkah. You know what I'm saying? When the Romans are the ones, or rather the Greeks, <coughs> are the ones that try to destroy the temple. <coughs> or put an avoidazora in it, uh, idolatry. Uh, there's a second admission. That not only is the land yours and Jerusalem yours, guess what? The temple is also yours, because what is Hanukkah about? It's about the rededication of the Beis Hamikdash. What else is it about, right? So what he's really saying is what? Is the religion is yours. It's true. Your religion is true. Right? That's what he's saying. Wow. That's incredible. That's a second incredible admission that Trump did. You see, but what's the third admission? I look at one after the other in the space of three weeks, which is astounding. What's the third admission? Okay, the land is yours, Jerusalem is yours, right? And not only that, the temple is yours, that's Hanukkah, right? Which means the spirituality, the religion is yours, that's Yehiluch HaShaloch. Let that which is yours be yours means you take the brachas, right? But there's one thing missing. What is that? Because we butchered you for 2,000 years. We have to admit that we were wrong, that we had no right to make you suffer. You see? Did he admit to that? Of course he admitted to that. That's why he freed Rubashkin. 
think about this for a minute. The man is sentenced. It was an incredible travesty of justice. I mean, everybody's probably familiar with the case. It's hard to believe that America did this. In fact, you had over 100 uh, uh, statesmen, politicians that said, this is a travesty of justice for so many reasons. How do you give a guy 27 years when it's a white collar crime and it's his first, first time? That's assuming he was guilty. 27 years? What is that? You, you have any idea what a, a, a mockery of justice that is? This is for America. You have any idea what kind of stain that is? Not just on America, but on the justice system of America. It's a desecration of the name of God because the nations of the world are commanded to have a system of justice. Uh, not only that, that judge, that, that judge, without even mentioning her name, because I can't even mention the girl's name, the woman's name, right? She should have recused herself. She was part of the prosecution. It's astounding. No, she wouldn't do it, right? Not only that, the appeals court wouldn't even set this woman straight because he had an appeal. Not only that, they, they withheld exculpatory evidence that could have exonerated him. They withheld that. Then they had a witness, a woman, that lied. I mean, when you just look one, and then they threatened people who would buy the, 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 um, uh, the company, you know, and nobody would buy it because you need a, 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 a <coughs> Rubashkin in charge. So therefore, they couldn't sell it. They couldn't pay back the bank. I mean, talk about the perversion of justice is beyond belief. You know, I mean, a, a layman understands that. Forget about the holy justice system of America, right? You see, uh, so what did Trump do? So they gave him 27 years, but he served eight. Now, usually commutation is, a guy serves most of his term. 27 years, okay, he served 24. I'll commute the rest. But what he did, he, he served eight, <clears throat> out of 27, which is a little more than one quarter, and he commuted it. What is that supposed to mean? What that means is that you're right. There was a travesty of justice, and I'm commuting three quarters of your sentence almost. Uh, you see, that's the hidor. You see, and Rubashkin doesn't represent only himself. He represents the Jewish people. It's Edom saying that what we did to you is a perversion of justice. That's assuming it's part of the judicial system. Most of, most of the history <coughs> hadn't even been that. It's just, just, in general, an incredible <coughs> slaughter and brutality. That's the Hidor. Rubashkin is nothing more than a symbol of the admission that Trump said about America that what we did to you is wrong. Now, it would have been nice, I have to say, if he would have pardoned him and not commuted him. Because the commute means you don't have to serve the rest, but you're still guilty of the crime. Which, of course, he wasn't. What he should have done is pardon him, which means there's no crime. Because he's still stuck with pro, uh, what he called probation and all that stuff and paying back the money. Uh, you know, <clears throat> why he didn't do that, I don't know. But it would have been an unbelievable incredible merit to Trump had he done that because what he would have said is not and, and, and he would have said not only have we been wrong you see the justice system is corrupt because you didn't even commit a crime uh, why should he have done that because you have to understand something a president isn't a president for himself he represents justice. He is the chief justice of the entire America. So what he should have done is slap justice in the face because that's his system. He represents justice. He should have sent a message to the whole judicial system uh, that what you did is wrong. 
Not only that, it stigmatizes America in front of the entire nations of the world. Not that they really care, of course, uh, but righteousness demands that he should have done that. Okay, he didn't. I don't know why, but at least he commuted, and the commutation itself is an unbelievable vidui admission that we were wrong and that you go free. Uh, that's the third admission. It's incredible when you think about that. Three hoidos, one after the other, all within two weeks. You see. <clears throat> and then we have the fourth idea. What is the fourth idea? <clears throat> oh, I want to tell you one thing, which is a thought, interesting thought. <clears throat> what happened to Rubashkin really is a tremendous um, insight to the Jews. Because two things happened with that, okay? <clears throat> the first thing is what I just said. But the second thing, did you see what happened? I, when was the last time that everybody went into the street and danced? When? It was like all over the world. Uh, you know, she said, well, what, what, what's going on here? You know, what's going on here? Rubashkin has to dance and sing. You know, okay, we could say we feel good about it. True. <clears throat> this wasn't feeling good about it. It's almost as if they were let out of prison, isn't it? Right? That's what it means. It's as if the Jewish people themselves were let out of prison, isn't it? Because what are they dancing at? What, what generates such an humble ecstasy and joy? It's because that's what happened. When Trump said we were wrong, we should never have done this to you, what he did is he overturned the 2,000 years of evil that Asaph has done to the Jewish people. And guess what? Who's going to rejoice? It's not just Rabashkin. It's the whole Jewish people. Because in essence, he overturned, right, the evil that they did to all the Jews. So guess what? If that's the case, we all got to dance, don't we? You see the logic? Uh, that's the logic. It's not just Rubashkin. It's the whole Jewish people. Somehow, it's like the, the Gemara says, uh, if they're not prophets, they are B'nainavim. They are the sons of the prophets. It's almost like every Jew realized deep down within his neshama, although it didn't hit his consciousness, right? That he was just affected by that reversal by Trump. And therefore the whole world went crazy. You have to you, you take a look at the papers. You can't believe the crowds, the dancing, the singing. And I think he's coming here next week. You know, but I don't know if he, I, I don't think he understands, Rubashkin understands, you see, in, in that sense, what happened, you know. But I'm telling you, it's not him. That's the first thing that's messianic. The second thing that's messianic, it happened immediately. He himself couldn't believe what was happening, you see. It was, it's of an ahapichu. It's like Yosef in Egypt. One day he's in jail, and two hours later he's in front of Paroi. Uh, that's number one. Remember I said that? Uh, so the first miracle, he's out of jail. It's incredible. Second thing is, what am I doing in front of Paro? You should have just sent me home with a car. Right? And the third thing, excuse me, you are Shani Lamelech. Three things within three hours, it's too much to bear. That's what's going to happen to the Jewish people. That type of... And then finally, what happened in today's Pasha, Vayigash, Vayigash, in Pasha's Vayigash, this is what's going to happen, which is very interesting. You know, it's all of a sudden like the Jews don't understand who they're talking to. They're really talking to Yosef Tzadik. They think he's Paroi. 
you see, because really the Mashiach ben Yosef or ben David or whatever is a person that nobody would ever think he's Messiah. They can maybe know he's special, but him a Mashiach, come on. And all of a sudden, Yosef says, like out of nowhere, Ani Yosef. And they're all stunned. That's exactly how the messianic process will unfold. Just like they grab Rubashkin right out of prison, right out of prison, without any warning. You see, <clears throat> that's how the Mashiach comes. No warning. One minute, right? He's not here. The next minute, he's here in your face. And I want to tell you something, which is really beautiful to see, you know. What happened to Rubashkin with the joy of the Jewish people is a drop in the sea when the Mashiach comes. Could you imagine the Mashiach comes and if you think the news spread like wildfire with Rubashkin, you can't believe what the news will spread when people will say, he's here, Mashiach is here. Can you imagine this, the, the speed of that? And all of a sudden, every single Jew is going to jump and dance in the streets and there'll be millions and millions of Jews. I don't care if he's religious or not religious because everybody knows the significance of a Messiah. <clears throat> and what you saw with Rubashkin is a me'ain, is a small version of a version that we cannot even begin to comprehend. The avo, the achdus, the love and the unity of the Jewish people will be something that you cannot even believe and it's going to go on, not for one night, right? It's going to go on for months. Um, but the joy will be palpable. It'll be beyond belief. And you can look at Rubashkin, you see, and say, hey, what happened to him not only speaks for all the Jewish people, and that's why everybody's dancing, but what happened to him in the same manner, it's going to happen for the Jewish people, you see, immediately, right? And with such joy, it's beyond belief. But I'll tell you one thing. You know what it's going to do for the Goyim? I will tell you. And because as soon as the Goyim realize that the Mashiach is here, guess what every guy is going to say to himself? Hmm, what did I do for the Jews? Was I good for them or was I bad to them? And the Goyim are going to tremble. Because every Goyim knows what he did. You know, whether he really openly did terrible things to a Jew <clears throat> or he cursed them. You know, and he got drunk or something like that, and he cursed them, or he wasn't drunk and he cursed them, right? Or in his house, ah, those Jews, they're, they're at it again. Every guy is going to ask himself, what did I do for the Jewish people? And those people who realize that they did incredible evil, they will tremble because justice is about to happen. And that's what's going to happen with them. For those going who were good to the Jews, astonishing. Astonishing what will be for them, you see. But what would happen in, in, in that sense with Rubashkin, that's the, um, what really is going on with that whole phenomena, phenomenon of, of Rubashkin. <coughs> that's the meaning and so on. Now, the next thing, <clears throat> what did Trump do? The UN, of course, a resolution, right? We condemn what you did. <coughs> it's illegal as... No legal, I mean, it's the UN, it's unbelievable, 128 nations are saying this, right? <clears throat> right? What does Trump do? So Trump should have said, hey, who cares? He didn't do that. He says, you want to define me, right? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to defund you. I'm taking away back my money that I give you foreign aid. 
And believe me, and Trump then says, which is cute, you know, and believe me, we're going to save a lot of money. <laughs> and he's right, because we have no idea of how much billions of dollars America gives to these guys, you know. And he's right, Trump, you know. <clears throat> he, but wait a minute, where did that come from? You know, Obama's the guy that let it pass the Security Council. He's the guy that not only vetoed it, but even more important, he defended the Jews. Hey. Isn't that part of the admission of Esau? Of course it is. Right? The job of Esau is not just to admit Vidui, which I just pointed out, Hanukkah, Rubashkin, right? And Jerusalem and the land and so on. But also, you need to defend them against the nations of the world. Isn't that what he just did? But not only that, he put teeth into the threat. I'm going to defund you. You know, it's not like a paper tiger. You know, he, he put teeth into it where he said, you will be punished. You see, I'm going to deny you. And what do you think those nations are going to do? They're not stupid. They're not, it's not worth giving up $2 billion in foreign aid just to say we, it doesn't belong. Of course, they're that stupid. It's $2 billion, billions of dollars. Uh, you see, <clears throat> so they're going to think about it. Believe me, they're going to think about it. And right now, they're all scurrying all around how we can undo the message of Trump, which, of course, they can't because he's empowered to do that. Uh, Trump literally defended the Jews against the entire world. And that, by the way, is a cheskel, a goigamogoy. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that? What does it say by goigam? That all the nations of the world are going to gang up against Jerusalem, right? And be a whole war? Well, isn't that what the UN just did? They just said Jerusalem is illegal. You cannot, it's Mama Shalom, it's a copy. The only, the only thing missing is Goig. Uh, you see, you know. But, well, actually, I hold the UN is Goig and Mogig and so on. Because Goig and Mogig, Gematria is 70. And the 70 nations of the world is the UN. But in any case, they just came out with a major decree against Jerusalem. You know? So that's a fulfillment of the whole prophecy. You see, in Yechezkel, in Ezekiel 38. It's amazing to watch. You know, if you, don't, if, you get, if you can get behind, or beyond, I should say, the New York Times, and how they look at something, and look at it in terms of the, the hand of God, what the Bosham is doing below everybody's consciousness. It's astounding to see. But just look at what he's doing. The admissions of one, two, three, the defense, and the tax bill. <clears throat> That tax bill isn't just a regular tax bill. The Bosham allowed it to happen because Trump finally did what he had to do. But it's more than that because the Bosham wants America to be prosperous. Yes? Because that's part of the Tahara. Why? Because America has to do the second part of the mission. Not just, which I told you, right? The first part is to do what? Is to admit that we are wrong. The land is yours. Jerusalem is yours. Ruchnis is yours. Right? We will defend you. You know, we did the evil to you. Rubashkin and so on and so forth. But the second thing that America has to do is assist the Jews in doing the Tikkun. That's next. You see. <clears throat> so really as a result of that, the next incredible miracle, which is really, really astounding, is basically the PLO will become immaterial. That's next. Because the Arabs are one of the major reasons why Israel cannot grow. And when Israel cannot grow, people cannot move there. The whole thing is stunted. Uh, so what has to happen next, basically, is the PLO has to become neutralized. Or I should say neutered. 
<coughs> better term, and so on, you see? Th that's what has happened. Because once the PLO is gone from the Cheshvan, from the reckoning, uh, then Trump can say, and that will happen, and Trump can say to Israel, okay, do it. Do whatever you want to do as a nation. And that's the beginning of an incredible tikkun, you see. And that's in many ways the next thing that has to happen, which is really coming down to the wire, you know, when America tries to make peace with Abbas, which of course he can't, because they can never do that. They can never make peace with the Jews. <clears throat> and so on, you know. Uh, so that, that's the, 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 the next thing. So we have Trump, his admissions, you know, we have America becoming prosperous, and then America had, now has to help Israel to become an incredible nation, uh, nation, nation in terms of them defending and assisting them in whatever. And the assistance has to be to remove the entire concept of the Arabs. And I had mentioned four weeks ago, the whole concept of Ishmael, the Arabs doing tshuva, right? <clears throat> and it's very interesting when you look at that. <clears throat> Yishmuel, the son of Avram Avinu, there was a certain amount of time that he was evil, bad. In fact, he tried to kill Yitzchak. That's why, uh, that's why Sora sent Hagar away. Okay. But in the end, it's an argument exactly when Yishmuel, the son of Avram Avinu, did tshuva. He repented, you see. Therefore, it comes out that there's the same concept. There's the good part of Yishmuel and the bad part of Yishmuel. Just like by Esau, you see. Mm. Because they are the forerunners of their nation, you see. So what we are now beginning to witness is Yishmael doing tshuva, which I had mentioned, you see. Mm. And it's very interesting who actually sees this. I once mentioned several times, there's a Yalkot Shemoini in um, 499 in Sefi Shayo. And I mentioned this many times and it says there, in the week that Ben David bore, or in the time that Ben David, Mashiach Ben David comes, means right before that, <coughs> it says that Poras, Persia, which is Iran, <coughs> will war, will incite a war against Arabia. Right? Arabia. Then Arabia is going to seek counsel with Edom, right? And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Poras, Persia, is going to try to destroy the world, Makrovis Oilam. And everybody's going to be unbelievably frightened because it's going to throw the entire world into a tremendous uh, fear. Um, and then it says that a baskol, a divine voice, will come out and say, Everything I did for you, I did. I, uh, this is only for you, God will say, and now the time of your redemption has arrived. You see, that is a tremendously prophetic medrash. Why? Let's think about this. How in the world is Iran going to make war with Arabia? Iran, Persia is Iran, but Arabia, Saudi Arabia. Uh, why would they make war with Arabia? You see, remember that medrash is written 2,000 years ago, right? Because that medrash says that Iran has a different religion in certain ways than Arabia. Either both Muslim, but Iran is Shiite, and Arabia is Sunni, you see. And so that medrash is saying, or indicating, which is amazing for something that was written 2,000 years ago, that even though you have Persia and Arabia as part of the same religion, but they're going to war with each other. Why? Because Persia will be what? They will be Shiite, and Arabia will be Sunni. 
and they will therefore war with each other. You see, and then it says that Arabia is going to go to Edom. Who's Edom? America. Is that not what's happening? Right? Think about that. There's a guy, Mohammed bin Salman. You see, he realizes something. He woke up finally. Him and his father, King Salman. They woke up because they realized something. Uh, Iran can destroy them. There's no question about that. Persians have a tremendous army. They're very bright people. And they could destroy them because they're working on nuclear weapons and so on. Not only that, what he realized is that Al-Qaeda is joining Shiites. Even though Al-Qaeda is Sunnis, they're joining Shiites. And that was provided proof. It's amazing. Yeah, Obama had proof of that because he knew Al-Qaeda joined Iran when they raided Osama bin Laden and they killed the guy. Part of the documents was that Al-Qaeda joined up with Iran. Uh, you see, uh, and Trump just released those doc documents to King Salman, so they can't believe it. What do you mean, Al Qaeda is Sunni? <coughs> Sunni? What do you mean Sunnis are joining with uh, Shiites? You know, they they didn't know this before, but what that means is, that of course, Sunnis, because what they want to do is they want to destroy Israel. But Saudi Arabia's not going to do that. So come on, let's join up with the real guys, Iran. You see? So once, so that the second, th first threat is Iran. The second threat that Muhammad and his father realized is that the Sunnis are joining with, Ira with, with Iran. So we don't even have the Sunnis on our side. You see? The third thing is what? Is that he realized something. What does it take for Iran to elect one of the royal family, Right? Because there are thousands of princes in Saudi Arabia, right? And there's tremendous competition. Who's going to be the head, right? right? What does it take for Iran to meet one of the royal family and say, listen, we want, we want to destroy them and we want you to be our proxy. So, they will, so therefore Saudi Arabia is going to become uh, a, 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 an Iranian um, colony. Just like Yemen is. Right? Just like Lebanon is, just like Iraq is. So he realized, wait a minute, Iran can bribe one of our guys, or family, because they all want to be head, right? And that guy is going to take over Iran, Saudi Arabia, you know, the bomb Saudi Arabia and so on and so forth, you know? And one of our own guys is what? It's going to be a proxy to Iran. We can't do that. The fourth thing they realize is, wait a minute, you know, all the Arab states are collapsing between Yemen right and Libya right and Egypt is collapsing all right and then you have Iraq is collapsing Afghanistan is collapsing Lebanon is collapsing and Syria is a, is a dead dog anyway right uh, it's like the whole Middle East is collapsing so who do we have really guess what we need Israel don't we uh, so that's the beginning of the truth of Yishmuel well Muhammad realizes he needs to ally himself with Israel but more than that he's going to openly declare He's going to ally with Israel. Uh, not only hide it, you see, <coughs> and one of the incredible indicators of that is that he's arresting the, uh, the uh, area, or rather the, uh, the uh, aspect of Islam that are called the Wahhabis. The Wahhabis is the ideology of extreme or radical Islam. And they were the ideology of Saudi Arabia. In fact, the Wahhabis... The, the Saudi Arabia followed the Wahhabis, their Shita, their opinion, and they're the ones who funded all these uh, mosques all over the world uh, to overthrow uh, uh, America and, and, and Israel and so on. And now why is Mohammed bin Salman arresting them? And not only that, he's arresting the people that formed the ideology of Saudi Arabia, but more than that, 
You see, he's putting in clerics that are good or partial to Christianity and Israel. That's like unheard of. And I just heard, uh, you know, <clears throat> that not only is he allowing the women to drive, he's modernizing. But I just heard he's allowing movie houses to open. I mean, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we look at that, uh, you know, right? But that's a big deal in Saudi Arabia, you know. <clears throat> uh, what's he doing? Because he realizes he's dying because Israel has access to incredible gas reserves. America's the greatest oil producer. Oil is going to finally burn out in Saudi Arabia. They won't have anything. The whole economy is going to tank in Saudi Arabia, you see. But besides that, they say in 10, 15 years, 50% of the cars are going to be electric. No gas. Right? Uh, and not only that, they're coming out with hydrogen fuel cars and they run on water. You know, the end of oil domination as a political force is ending. It's only a matter of time. He's not stupid. So he realizes, hey, I got to get back into modern world or we're finished. In many ways, it's like Japan in 1853 when they realized, hey, you know, we're in the backwards. You know, we better modernize or we're finished. You see, <clears throat> but that means that Saudi Arabia is now going to many ways become an ally with Israel. And that's the beginning of the tshuva of Yishmuel. That's the toiv shab Yishmuel. And that's really, in many ways, what happens. And that Yalkut predicts it. Why? Because the Yalkut says that Iran is going to war with Saudi Arabia. How's that possible? Because one is Shiite and the other one is Sunni. But the real prophecy of that statement is, and therefore, because Iran will war with Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia will join with Israel and force Saudi Arabia to do tshuva. That's how it happens. You see, by having Iran war with Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is now forced to become an ally of Israel, and that is the, basically the end of the anti-Semitism, you see, and that's the truth of Yishmoel. And that, Yalkut alludes to that, which is incredible when you think about that, that it was written 2,000 years ago. Listen, you better reserve a flight on Saudi Air, whatever they call the airline, because you can now go to Medina, I don't know about Mecca, but certainly Medina and so on, you visit Saudi Arabia. Whatever and so on and so forth. Israel but is going to stay <coughs> with, the, with the modern, the Zionist. The no, no, that's next. So the first is is is, uh, is Edom, uh, who has to do tshuva, and Trump is incredibly falling into line. And the great news is that it happened in Hanukkah, Zoys Hanukkah, the eighth day of Hanukkah, which means that God is accelerating the process. You see, yeah. it's astounding <coughs> what's happening. See, the second thing is Yishmuel. The good part of Yishmuel also has to do tshuva, you see. And the third part of it is the ear of Rav. They are the ones, in many ways, that have to fall because they, in many ways, whether they are anti-Torah or they certainly don't encourage Torah to have, you know, all these guys who are part of the Israeli government who in many ways are opportunists and they will do, they will stop nothing for their fancy chauffeured cars, you know, and they'll join with people who are anti-Torah like Guy Lapid and so on and so forth. These guys are the ear of Rav. So if this is what's happening, what must happen is the ear of Rav. The ear of Rav are Jews that have destroyed the bond of Torah and the Jews. The reason why the Jews are unique is because the bond that they have with God, that they will always observe the Torah. That is the bond of Israel. Uh, and they are against it, the ear of Rav. 
you see all the air of Rav is the media the Supreme Court the Knesset these people are <clears throat> well I, I forgot to mention one thing which remind me it's astounding that when, when Trump gave that Hanukkah party he left out the reformed you know that he, yeah the reform well, they were going, going crazy there was no reform the conservative people yeah. Was it conservative? <coughs> what? No reform. Reform or reconstructions. Why? Because once, if Hanukkah, the whole point of Hanukkah, think about this, is to admit to the Jews that the temple is yours, the Beis Hamidish is yours, because that's what Hanukkah is, and therefore the religion of yours, well, excuse me, I can't have reconstructionists and reform. They're out, because that's, he's not going to admit to them that it's yours. You see? So Hashgokha protests that they were not there in that admission. Because how can he admit that it's yours also? So you see? <clears throat> the, the, the Orthodox and the Conservative. And the conservative. Right. Yeah. yeah. In any case, uh, wait, wait. I don't, yeah. <clears throat> so the era of Rav is next uh, in that sense. And uh, in, in the era of Rav, look, <clears throat> you should know one thing. That's the last thing and that's the most difficult of all because it means overthrowing Jews. You know, it's one thing Goyim you know, so Edoim Esau is doing tshuva through Trump. Then you have Yishmael doing tshuva, hopefully through this guy Mohammed bin Salman. Someday he'll get the total message and so on. And, 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 but ultimately, the real way to do that is that, uh, well, the PLO will really just become completely irrelevant and so on. And uh, Israel will be allowed, will get the green light to develop totally. But the real thing is the, 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 is the recognition that uh, Israel is a Torah state, you know. And you should know one thing. It's very easy. You know, people think that, well, what do you mean? How can Israel, there, there are so many secular Jews. How are they going to do this? You know, how are you going to make, uh, uh, you know, religion through the secular, if there's so many secular in Israel? But really, it's very easy. <clears throat> there are many shuva organizations, kirv organizations, right? There are many, but they have no money. They have no funding, you see? And because they have no funding and so on, they are tremendously restricted in terms of what they can do. But what happens if this government is thrown out? in however the Rebbe is going to do it. And when it happens, it's going to be sudden. It'll, be, it'll, it'll shock everybody. You know, it's just like Trump is a shock, how he came in, it was it what's called, what's called a Vanahapichu. Like Haman was kicked out overnight, uh, right? And Trump won literally overnight. If you remember, by 5 o'clock on Tuesday, everybody thought he was going to lose. And all of a sudden, by 12 o'clock, he won. You know, that's, that's the classic Vinahapechu. That's when, how we know that, you know, that, uh, what do you call it, uh, that, what the bunch of, that the God is behind us. <coughs> and so on, you know. And the air of Rav will be, the same thing, will be Vinahapechu and just thrown out. <coughs> in, in any case. But um, if, if all of a sudden, whoever will be uh, put in the stead, and whoever that will be, will be a transition between him and the Mashiach. Because Mashiach is after that guy. I have a suspicion who it is. But in any case, uh, what will happen is that uh, then all of a sudden, that Israel will now fund all the Kirov organizations. Why not? Why not? And they, just by the power of persuasion and the power of Saita Deshmaya, of heavenly assistance, they will be able to bring Torah back to the Jewish people. Not because they're forcing them. Nobody's going to force a Jew, uh, you see. <clears throat> but what happens if you funded all the major Kirov organizations? 
whether it be Yad La'achim or Yad Lev La'achim and so on, you know, or Arachim or Eshatero. There are many fundamental Ikirv organizations. What happens if you gave them money and they could do whatever they want? Then they would be tremendously successful in bringing back the Jews. Look how many Jews are going to the schools by Rav Palm. Uh, what do you call that uh, organization? Shuvu. Shuvu, yeah. Because the, the quality of education is so radically better than a regular high school. It doesn't take much to get a Jew back in shape because every Jew has a pin to lead. You just have to give money. So the guy who's going to come next will just fund all the Kirov organization. That's all. And I want to tell you something. In three years, everybody's from Apiteva. Not miraculously. Uh, you see, people think, well, no, no Mashiach is not going to do this. It's going to be before Mashiach comes. Uh, you see, <clears throat> because the Bosham wants Klai Israel to be able to accept Mashiach. And I once told you, the most dangerous man in the world is Mashiach because he is such a man with such incredible Kedusha, holiness, that he can kill everybody with his Kedusha. <coughs> so therefore, the Mashiach has to be a person that can only come to the Jewish people that Torah has to come out of the Golas. It's not just him. Torah has to be redeemed. The Torah itself. The Jews have to be redeemed to reach a spiritual level where they can have the capacity to accept a person with that type of holiness of the Mashiach. So therefore, Torah has to be redeemed. The Jews have to be redeemed. And, that can, and, and, and of course, the whole land has to change. And that can only happen you know, after Edom and after... Yishmuel, that can only happen with the dissolution of the era of Rav. But that is difficult because we're talking here about Jews and so on and so forth, you know. But with like you know, but we we all know that there's no obstacles to God. Like God said, you know, you know, Hayat Hashem Tiksa. God says, is my hand short? You know, when Moshe Rabbeinu said, "How can bring all the, the the quail?" You know, is the hand of God short? When he told Avram Avinu, "Hayipolim Hashem Dova," something I can't do. You know, what's the big deal? <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> and so on. <clears throat> but something, wait, but something will happen where it will be of an ahapichu. And there's nothing that we can do. It will be his yatsvuru'u. And I told you, there are three things indicate Mashiach. One is v'nahapichu. It's sudden, out of nowhere. Just like what happened in all of these things. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, capital is yours. The land is yours. Rubashkin is free. Hanukkah? The Beis Hamikdash is yours, right? I'm gonna stand up to the whole UN. This happened in the space of two, three weeks. I mean, it's messianic. This doesn't make any sense. You see, it never happened before. The same thing with the Erefrav, because the Bosham wants to bring the Mashiach, but what he wants to do, he's got to raise the spiritual status of the Jewish people, and he has to raise the status of the Torah. The Jews have to become Tamidi Chachomim. And that's going to be the greatest ness of all, how he does that. That's right. Every Jew has to become a massive Talmud Chacham. I know, it's hard to believe, right? Because the, the amount of Amaratsis and Christ will be unbelief, right? And 11 million Jews are gone. Something will happen which will change the entire uh, climate scenario. Because that's critical. The Jew, the Mashiach is not going to come to a people that are a bunch of Amaratsim. And not only Amaratsim, that would be good that are steeped in tumor and zima. He's not going to do that because it's a busha, you know, uh, to, to do that and, and so on, you know. <clears throat> and he's going to raise the status of the Jewish people and, and so on. In any case, uh, and that, that's coming up. 
uh, that's, uh, that's coming up. But in any case, what I've tried to do is to show <clears throat> that all these events, you know, Trump, who he is, uh, you know, the Arabs and the Muslims and so on, you know, and the whole concept of what Trump is doing, the UN and all this is like, like, this makes no sense. I mean, America never did this before. It's unbelievable. All of a sudden, a guy out of nowhere, a guy called Trump, and he's doing this, this is impossible. But when you realize, yes, this is Asov, he got to admit, he's wrong, right? And then he has, on all these things, the land is yours, Jerusalem is yours, right? Uh, uh, the, the spirituality is yours, and what we did was wrong, uh, and, and so on. And then he begins to say, he defends uh, against the, the world, and then, of course, what it has to say is, uh, next is, of course, okay, Israel, Go and do what you have to do. Become a nation. And you should know Israel is almost there anyway. I mean, Israel is a world leader. It's astounding. It's out of 8 million people. And, it, and it, uh, it, it's got, it's funny, I once read, <clears throat> you got more entrepreneurial projects going on in Israel than Europe combined. You talk about a Jewish cop. Uh, it's incredible, you see. Uh, but that's only because of the incredible Shaita Dishmaya, because of the divine assistance that God gives the Jewish people. But look at what they excel. I mean, talking medicine, cybersecurity, water conservation, agriculture. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just incredible. I mean, it's a whole list of things that they excel <clears throat> and so on. And they already are. And now they're making tremendous inroads in Africa. You know, in Africa, where Africans begin to realize, hey, we need the Jews. And now that Trump has raised the stature of Jewish people, then everybody's going to line up to do business with the Jews. We're, we're sitting at what's called at the cusp of a revolution of which we have never seen. And that, in the end, is the end of the exile of the Jews. You see, because the exile is not just the return to go back to Israel, it is the beginning, the reversal of the status of a people that was degraded to a status of a people that now become the, 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 the missionaries, so to speak, or the agents of the Rabbanishim himself. That's the end of the Golas, you know. But for that to happen, there's several other steps, which I believe is going to happen. So as they say, you know, just hold on, you know. There's something that happened under the radar that you didn't mention. That could be. The media... And everybody was uh, focused on the truth. Yeah, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Trump did something. I know. That's amazing. Mm. Over 30 years, all the oil companies were trying to open up and one. It, 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 it might be the largest oil reserve in the world, but, but it's up <clears> there. They couldn't do it. Reagan tried, both Bushes tried, they couldn't do it. So he passed? Trump yeah. got it done. At that day. <coughs> I don't know what day, but when everybody, and he told, yeah, yeah. I, I heard him say, he told everybody, don't talk about Anwar. Oh, yeah. And the media didn't mention it, nobody. Cause at, they're going to drill in Anwar. Like you said, we the Arab the country, it's in uh, Alaska. Alaska. Alaska, yeah. Uh, the oil companies have been given money for years to try to get nobody to uh, yeah. do it. Trump did it. And the Arabs, like you say, those countries are running out of oil. Sure. We're gonna have money pouring in like you can't but it, believe. <clears throat> yeah. More important than the tax. But what he did with I it, what I had to have to mention uh, yes, thank you. You know, I didn't know about Anwar. I mean I knew that nobody Anwar's did. no gear. Yeah. He just slipped it under the radar. He got it done. <clears throat> but what's interesting is people don't realize that tax reform bill, 
is really focused on business corporations. Yeah. But in the end, what you have to understand, and that's what happened by <coughs> Reagan, the key to success in America is really corporations because they provide the jobs. And once he reduced the, the uh, capital gains tax from 35 to 20, 21, yeah. I mean, Everybody's, they're already saying, you know, what do I have to keep my money in some foreign country? You know, I'll Not bring it back here. <clears throat> the, the tax on no, the capital gains. Whatever. The corporate, corporate, corporate tax, corporate yeah. Corporate whatever. Corporate anyway, tax corporate tax, yeah. So now every, the corporations, which is really the engine that runs America, are going to bring back the money to where? To America? What they're hiding in all the other, you the know. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and they're going to bring it and they're going to invest in America. So all of a sudden, everybody's going to have a job. More people are going to be making tremendous money. You see what I'm saying? And that's going to enormously increase the amount of uh, uh, prosperity in America. And therefore, and that's all part of the Tahara of America. And they don't realize that. All the Democrats are screaming against it. But again, they've they, they always been trying to kill. But, the, the, you know, in terms of the, what America has to go through. But that is really what uh, the tax bill is going to change the landscape economically of America. And that's incredible for Israel. And that's another handwriting on the wall for the Arabs. Because then you don't even need them anymore. One and so on. Anyway. Point. This thing you mentioned with that man going to jail eight years ago. Rubashkin. Yeah. That, it seems to me like it's, it parallels the Dreyfus case in France. It is. It's exactly. It's, it's the same it is thing. <coughs> correct. And what came out of the Dreyfus case? Well, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Something Good point. Because yes, yes. That it, really, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Yeah. Uh, getting back to what someone yeah. said. Getting back to what you said earlier about the, the Arab rods. Doesn't doesn't the uh, doesn't the Villagon mention that there has to be sort of a very um, intense conflict with the Arab rod before they'll be defeated. <coughs> I mean, uh, conflict with who? Between the Jews and the Arab rod, or the Mashiach will be will be. Uh, the in conflict, conflict is ongoing for years. The conflict with the with yeah, the Arab rod. Yeah, sure he is. The Arab rod is. Uh, the Arab Rav is destroying Israel. It's destroying the Jewish. The Arab Rav is not destroying the Jewish people. It's destroying Judaism. The Jews are, they're, they're, you know, they're not against Jews, they're just against their religion, Judaism. They don't want the Torah. Right. Well, Wait, go ahead. Let, no, no, let him finish. What? But, but the appearance of Mashiach, this, I don't see how this can be a peaceful process because, especially <clears> considering even a lot of Jews who are not Arab Rav, respect the idea of democracy. You're talking about an absolute ruler who has tremendous <clears> power. How are you going to get Israel, so many Jews? Israel, Israel, Israel is not a democracy. Well, that is true. Uh, you know what a democracy is? They think it is. <laughs> a lot of people are delusional. Right? So what? What their remedy is a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, a, a, a democracy is when people are truly represented. Right? So in the, the real democracy is in Greeks, for instance. Remember the old Greeks? Everybody had a vote. Right? They couldn't do that because, they, excuse me, you know, you can't 100,000 people pack the house and vote. Right? So what they came up with a new idea is called representation. You know, we'll, 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 we'll have a guy representing us. That's fine. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> you see? Okay, but at least the guy who's representing us, right, is answerable to the constituents. You see? So in Israel, so in America, he is. 
you know, people vote for a certain person, and if you don't like what we're doing, uh, we'll, we'll take you back. In Israel, <coughs> you, uh, the, the people who represent the, the Israeli public is not answerable at all to the Israeli public. They're answerable to the party. Israel, Israel votes for a party. What do you mean you vote for a party? That's why these guys, you, never, you can't kick them out. Because, <clears throat> it's, it's nonsense. Because what happens is, is that a person, his loyalty isn't to the people who voted him because they don't vote for him, right? His loyalty is to the party. You see? And therefore, if his loyalty is the party, hey, he couldn't care less about the people as long as the people, the bigwigs in the party, they like him, uh, uh, and so on. That's not a democracy. A democracy is when you're answerable to the people, not to the party, not to this in-between you and them. Uh, you see? And that's why there's so much corruption because the, the Knesset is nothing more than it's like the, it's the back room, you know, the games in the back room, you know, uh, and, and the horse trading back here, you know. Uh, it's all about party. Well, who's the first on the list, the second on the list, be first, second, third, you know. Uh, when you're not answerable to the people, this is not a democracy, period. Because then, like I say, you can do whatever you want because you know that if the head of the party likes you, you know, you're, you're in. I, you just, you, 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 I, the head of the party or whatever, you know, you, you're going against what the people want, that, that's a sham. Kind of, kind of democracy and so on and, that, and that's what Israel is not only that the Supreme Court of Israel what they do is unheard of in the Supreme Courts in the world you know they, they are you know <laughs> exactly you know their job is really to interpret the law you know, interpret the law and, and stand by it as a judge, you know. They legislate. We heard of something like that. And I wish the, I wish the, uh, the uh, Knesset, you know, I, I wish they would have a spine and get their act together and say, excuse me, you know, you're a Supreme Court. You're a judicial, judicial system, you know. You're not a legislative, so get off our back. And if you don't like it, they should neutral, they should neuter the Supreme Court and say, excuse me, you know, uh, you can't do this. But the Supreme Court constantly steps in the way of, uh, of, of uh, what do you call it, um, of the Knesset. Anyway. You think that the, the Mashiach will, in order to get the Jews to accept his rule, it will be, they'll accept him because he's such a tzaddik or a huffle? No. No, no, it's not Mashiach. No, no, it's not Mashiach. It's God. Once the time has arrived, then the Bansham does everything necessary for this man to succeed. And you see that by Yosef, where it says, Everything that, that Yosef did, God made <coughs> successful. It's not Yosef. It's nobody. It's God. Uh, so what's going to happen is the Bansham is going to give total to this man. That means he can't fail. He's what's called, he has the Midas touch for success. Remember King Midas with the gold? Uh, the Mashiach is a man that cannot fail. It is, and if he fails, he's not the Mashiach, you see. And therefore, it's not his power. It's only the Rabbi Hashem's power. And that's how he will succeed. And the Rabbi Hashem will give him whatever he needs, whatever the Jews need, you see, in order to raise the spiritual level of the Jewish people. And it's coming very rapidly. I mean, just take a look at what happened in the last three weeks beyond, look how many things that Asaph has done, and so on, and it's going to accelerate, you know, and if you think this is fast, <coughs> you know, your head's going to spin what's happening next year, and so on, because we're at the end of time, that's really what it is, the Bansham wants it to end, uh, because, uh, you know, it says that, Yeshu is a Canaan, is a Canaan, when the Mashiach comes, there, yet will, there will yet be old men and old women, 
What do you mean old men and old women? That means in order to be really old men and old, old women, like 150 years, 200 years old, that means you got to come now or else, uh, you know, because the world is over in 225 years. You know what I'm saying? Or to 24 years or whatever and so on, you know? So we're really, we're headed, uh, the evil is headed in a downward spiral and toiv is going up and up and up. But it, it's amazing the way the Bansham does it. You know, nobody sees this. It's astounding. People think, well, it's Trump is doing this. That's interesting. He freed Rabashkin. Well, that's great. You know, and the way he went to a Hanukkah party, that's nice. You know, and he made Kredus from the capital. Hey, that's even nicer. And so on. What are you talking about? This is all messianic. Which I've tried to show in this whole shir. Got it? Yeah. You see his enemies are, are bending. Every time they try to flip something, they find out. Who? Hitler by Trump. Every time they came something that uh, whatever it's a Mueller and everything whatever. Oh, that, yeah. <coughs> yeah. It's still, it's in that. And it's also something Hitler which I gonna, Am I still on? There's also something which is interesting, which I, I think really is gonna happen, you know. This whole business with Mueller, right? I mean, Mueller's a fraud. It's just incredible what the guy is. I mean, it's not me. Just look at what the Congress and so on, you know. Um, and uh, it's Mueller. It's, it's the FBI, which is a fraud. You know, how in the world could they do that? That's the corruption. The FBI, the Department of Justice. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go into all the, you know, with all the news and so on, you know. But if you look at it, the special counsel, counselor, you look at the FBI, the Department of Justice, you know, Hillary, Obama, they're all They've all frauds, they've all committed crimes, yet we're in sessions, nothing, mm -hmm. you know. <clears throat> what Trump has to do, it's not just to, it's not just retribution. He has to understand, he is the representative of righteousness and justice. He needs to do something. Forget about sessions, because in the end, the Rabbanisham is gonna stand in front of Trump, or I should say, Trump is gonna stand in front of the Rabbanisham. Right? And God is going to look at him and say, excuse me, I think I made you president. Yes? Yes. Right? And he says, where were you? As Harry Truman used to say, the buck stops here. Where were you? <clears throat> Do you realize that, that, that justice is a mockery in America? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows Hillary got off the hook. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knows that what, what, what he's doing, uh, what he called special counsel. He got 17 lawyers and they're all dedicated to overthrowing Trump. I mean, what is this? Is, is this partiality or justice and so on, you know? Everybody knows what Comey did and, 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 and what Hillary and everybody. I mean, it, um, you are there to represent justice and righteousness. Did you? What's he going to answer? What's he going to say? Well, I gave the job to, to, to Sessions. Excuse me. Who's Sessions? You're the president, not him. What's he supposed to do? What's he supposed he's to stuck. do? He's in a system. He's, in a very, he's stuck here. <clears throat> you don't understand. Trump is not in any system. The only system that Trump belongs to is Trump. He has the ability of enormous power. He has not yet begun to understand his power. Because really the American people are behind him. Look, yeah. they know what this joke, they know this is a joke. You know, what Trump should do, if he would ask me, excuse me, you know, the American people know what's happening. You were elected president constitutionally. You're allowing them to stop you, to stymie you, right? Stop this already. Fire them. I, everybody's going to say, well, he's firing them because he's something, got something to hide. No, no, no. He should go out and say, listen, I am President of the United States. 
I am, I am constitutionally elected president, you know. My job is to do the best I can for this country. I can't do it. Not with this nonsense. So here's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> you got three months to come up with a charge. This isn't uh, oil and void. This isn't an eternal investigation. Although I'm sure, what's his name, would love to, to be the eternal investigation. You know, call your money, you know, I'd, I'd be as machine. Go, you know, so, you know, uh, you, you, cut you got three months to come up with something. You got it, fine. You don't got it, then you're out. It's over with. I have to rule. Everybody admits that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's got to end. This can't drag on. To drag this on is the worst thing for not only Trump, but, but America doesn't understand. They're the ones being shortchanged. They're the ones, because since he can't rule, they're the guys, they're the suckers. Uh, it's, it's astounding America doesn't get it. It's them that's being damaged and harmed. So that's what he has to say. Trump, you listening? And America will agree with you. Say, hey, you got three months to come up. You're already working on it for a year, right? The question is, we'll do it. It takes a lot to do it. Uh, I told you what will happen. Because God is going to look at him and say, excuse me. Right now, justice is a mockery in America, right? You're the guy that has the mission. Did you do it? You know, I, I don't think Trump wants to face God when he gets that yeah, question. Talk to Steve, Steve yeah, Steve Bannon. Bannon. Yeah, no, no. By the way, Randall, yeah. the restitution for Rashkin, he has to pay $25 a quarter. Is a $26 million payback. The way it's structured, he has to pay $25 yeah. every three months. Every three months. $25? Mockery. Trump made a mockery out of this. Oh, you mean that's what his restitution yeah. is? He made a complete mockery <clears throat> out of it. So what does that show you? Mm -hmm. That's for you. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it shows you because Trump is smart what he did is the following he says listen listen I really no no that, that, that tells me this I really wanted to pardon the guy but for whatever reason because politically it's too much hot water and this and that it's too many enemies and everybody go as it is everybody's going crazy you know how you, and so on and so on you know so that's what I'm going to do <clears throat> really I should have pardoned him so I'm not going to pardon him in reality I'm going to pardon him in really you know in terms of what I say you tell a guy you have to pay 25 that's 26 true million. you tell a guy you owe 26 million dollars just pay 25 dollars every three months yeah. right um, that means in how, how many 10,000 years, 10, years. Uh, what is that saying mockery. it's of course it's a mockery of the sentence yeah. Yeah, yeah. which really tells you really I should have pardoned you yeah. you see uh, but in the sentence the verdict itself the sentence right it, it just shows you what Trump did was uh, tremendous you know what he really did was an act of tremendous righteousness you should know that uh, in all these things a tremendous righteousness and I, I, I feel and I think that's what's going to happen that the bunch will be behind him and in some way uh, he's, it, it, he's, just an, he's just uh, oh yeah well, I think no because you know what you're saying he gets not more <coughs> but he will he, it's a tremendous merit for him yeah. uh, and, and so on I, I once told you I think but Gilgal who he is is Marcus Aurelius Antoninus, yeah. who, who loved Rebbe. I just, who loved uh, Rebbe, the one who wrote the Mishnah, though, but I don't want to tell you what the Gemara says about what, uh, uh, you know, because mm -hmm. Trump is a Roman emperor. I know, the, I know the Democrats, if they hear this, they're going to fume. <laughs> they fume, you know, and they may have, uh, you know, a heart attack. Just listen to that. But that's really who he is. And uh, right now he's doing his mission. In the beginning he was slow, and the Bunshim punished him for certain things. But in the end, he's getting it. 
because he's beginning to realize because he should know one thing in the end Trump is a man of truth he's an Ishemes you know Scott, he's not perfect but he's an Ishemes it takes him a while okay takes him a while he needs more instruction but after a while he's going to do it and you're going to see that uh, he's going to come around and um, do things for the Jews which has, hadn't been done in the history of the world isn't that also anyway. interesting the way the Democrats stick together so no matter when they're going to 2018 with the, <coughs> they're really going to get see if they change <coughs> a little bit so then well what was very good is this go. I mean, if you but want now, what, the guys are going to well, no no what was very good is that this tax reform yeah, bill yeah, none of, none of no no but that's gewaldic because that means when America goes crazy with prosperity yeah. they can't take any credit because none of them were involved no, yeah. right mm -hmm. we, and that's going to bury them yeah. See, it's one thing if they could have said, well, we had about 50 guys join the, yeah. join the tax reform. So, you see, we also knew about this. No, not see, one. Not one. It was completely party lines. But that's Hashgacha. Because it, it, what, what seems to be the motion wants to destroy the Democratic Party. Because they have destroyed America. Forget about the corruption of these guys and the fraud, the shekher, yeah. and the evil of these people. I'm not talking about. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm talking about Trump. 